And yeah, it matches your, attitude. Your hair is outstanding today. <laughs> It's funny you should say that because I wore a bike helmet on the way over here, so oh, I should have helmet hair. Sometimes uh, hats slash helmets can help. Oh, the old enhanced helmet hair. Progressive Rugby League. Hello there, everybody. This is the Progressive Rugby League podcast. We have been doing the PRL Book Club episodes for a little while now, but for for now, we're going to put down the books. We're going to put down the reading glasses, that cup of Horlicks. We're just going to push away slightly as we dive into what's been happening in the rugby league world currently. The next voice you hear will be my friend Jono Duncan. Good, good day, good evening, how are we all? And the next voice you'll hear will be Alastair Large, a.k.a. Big Al. Hello. <laughs> Hello, great to be here, fellas. And I have to say, I said before we started recording, but I'm feeling very comfortable. And I'm ready for a great show. That's right. You've uh, cracked on a pair of lovely Tigers shorts. And, and, a, and a Raiders top. I'm, I'm, not... I'm wearing a diametrically opposed clothing here. <laughs> mm. Got Tigers shorts and a Raiders top. 89. Whoa. Um... So, guys, as we like to do at the start of our regular episodes, we like to give some reflections on what's been going on. Who wants to dive in there and give a reflection? I'll give it a crack. Big Al, give it a crack. So, can I tell you guys something? For our, our listeners that aren't in Australia, we're currently uh, towards the end of the summer period, mm-hmm. and we're, the whole country shuts down for January, basically. Everyone goes on summer holidays. I had... An amazing break. Really? It was so good, so relaxed, like was up and down the coast, like hanging out with family and friends and all that sort of stuff. A little bit of romance in there as well. <laughs> um, and it was just seriously, it was, it was so good. But we miss one thing, obviously, rugby league. Yeah, like sure. I miss rugby league terribly. And I, I still do. It hasn't, hasn't quite started up yet. But one thing I think I've made quite clear throughout this journey of progressive rugby league is that... I love rugby league and damn all other sports. I would go as far as... It's not progressive, but I go as far can as to say... I was going to say, <laughs> can I tell you, I've been thinking about this. And I, I, speaking, we were speaking thing, about things that were off-brand earlier for Progressive Rugby League Podcast. I think your complete prejudice of other sports is against our ethos, <laughs> I have to say. Well, look, here comes the reflection. Right, OK. This has been a summer of discovery Whoa. for large Alistair right. being me. Yes. This is the summer... Well, I recognised that other sports exist. Right. And accepted it. That's a step. Didn't try and battle it. And I, yeah. I, I noticed uh, I, I took in a Big Bash game. Oh, it yeah. was boring as. It was like being, my, my dad, actually, he's a massive cricket fan. Yeah. Um, and he goes to Big Bash games because he feels, well, he loves cricket. But then the other day he said, I'm never going back because it's like being at a 12-year-old's birthday party. Absolutely. And that's exactly what it was like. That's the last yeah. as well. But anyway... Went to a big bash game. Yeah, it was fine. Something to do, whatever. But also, uh, you know, saw a little bit of what was going on with the Australian soccer in the A-League. Right. Um, and, you know, didn't scoff at people playing cricket on the beach mm. and all that sort of stuff. I even took part in a bit of beach cricket myself, fellas. Okay. Whoa. And it wasn't the same. Of course, afterwards, I felt dirty. I had to kick, <laughs> kick the steeding around. But still, I fully accept. Yeah. And so were you, were you on the front foot a fair bit or how were you playing? And Elbow up. What does front foot mean? <laughs> All right, don't worry about that. And, um, and did you notice that the sun still came up the next day? It did, there it did. Go. And so I'd have to say I feel, because of that, I feel like I've grown as a person. Yep. Um, but 
in saying that, I still desperately miss rugby league. What was the catalyst for this? Well, I figured that part of me, that that part of me that, that... so, like, the reason I, I, I refused to acknowledge, I previously refused to acknowledge any other sport was because I love rugby league so much. Mm. I didn't want anybody else to take any <laughs> of its glory away. But now it's like, well, if you love something or someone, set them free. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I, I let go of rugby league, and you know what? It still got up and walked around and did its thing like a normal operating right. person. Um, well, yeah. So you're, you're, I'm in this scenario, rugby league's a person. You're having little dalliances. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no, no. You're trying to make me sound unfaithful. That's not, that is not what happens. But rugby league's got to win you back or bring, no, you, rugby bring league, you home. No, rugby league's got me. Right. Rugby league's got me for life. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I, I felt I didn't have to sit down and keep an eye on rugby league to make sure nobody else came and pushed it around. Right, I've got sure. you. Rugby league could take care of itself. Uh, and so, whilst whilst rugby league was off enjoying its you know its its gap year from me, mm. or its gap couple of months from was me, was it enjoying it though? Well, I don't know. <laughs> rugby league can tell me when it gets back. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I'm surprised that you haven't been in the fetal position or off season. Uh, but considering what's happened, we'll get into the the details of that later in, t- in terms of the NRL off season. But mm. I'm glad to hear that you've you've enjoyed life and you haven't been stressed out about what's been going on. No, well, I mean, like I've enjoyed life so much. Like I'm wearing my, my comfortable clothes to the podcast <laughs> recordings. I'm zen, baby. I'm zen, and it was a great break. But I can't wait for her to come back. Jono? Look, my reflection, we're going to get into some deep issues later on, but my reflection is is kind of light, light-hearted, I suppose, and it's really around the nature of the armchair expert. So we're all armchair experts, aren't we? And I think rugby league, the Twittersphere especially, they're full of a thousand million armchair experts. So what I'm going to talk about here is the nature of the armchair expert and the difference between armchair experts in Australia and in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we're all armchair experts. I put my hand up, I'm one of the biggest, right? And I think we, as armchair experts, um, we have so many opinions on so many matters, like you know, coaching, mm. tactics, mm-hmm. you know, goal kicking, <laughs> refereeing, you name it. We've got opinions and we're experts on these things. But what I've noticed is there's a difference in what's at the top of the list of pertinent matters for Australian rugby league armchair experts and UK rugby league armchair experts. Mm-hmm. So right at the top of the list, in my opinion, over the course of a year, on average, in Australia, I tell you what, everyone's an expert when it comes to rugby league journalism. Don't you <laughs> <laughs> this guy can't write, you know, this oh, sort of yeah. story. What do you, this guy's a bum, don't read what he's writing. It's, um, it's pretty intense. As you, it's going to ramp up. You watch it ramp up as the season commences. And I just want to say, like, on behalf of journalists, I'm not a journalist, never have been, but I did want to be a journalist when I was a kid. Did mm-hmm. you know that? Mm-hmm. When I was 12 or 13, wow. at, at school I recorded my voice. We had to record our voice and say what we wanted to do when we were older. And I said, I want to be a journalist. And what I did uh, then, I went on work experience for a day at the local rag, and I left that day going, no way in the <laughs> what, world. What did they have what, you what, doing? Yeah, which beat were you giving? <laughs> I was giving just the local beat. Go and, yeah, go sort and of... bust what's happening at the local council. <laughs> It was much harder than I thought. Like you have to call people who don't want to speak to you. You get abused by people who don't like what um, what's been written. And that's just for the local paper. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't you don't want to have to Maud's vines growing too far over someone else's fences (laughs) is tension. So you know, for me, like I I can empathise a little bit. And these days in journalism, you know, with online and all that, there's a million deadlines, and they've got to put out so much more content. You know. We as white collar workers, I, I'm phoning it in at least ten percent of the week. <laughs> so when we read some some articles, we just have to remember that you know I'm sure they're phoning it in 
at times as well, the journos. But anyway, Australian rugby league fans, they're armchair experts, especially when it comes to rugby league journalism. In the UK, at the top of their list, it's all about marketing. They are obsessed with marketing mm-hmm. when it comes to, uh, you know, ha- that's not how you fill a stadium. This is how you fill a stadium. You know, this is why the game in the UK is not doing well. Um, Toronto Wolfpack are doing great or not great when it comes to marketing. It's all focused on marketing. So there's two different, really distinct uh, points of view and points of focus when it comes to the armchair expert mm. uh, in rugby league fans from one hemisphere to the other. Yeah. And I think like uh, maybe the, I also <laughs> have worked closely with marketing teams in the past. And what I have noticed is marketing's harder than you think, right? Like it costs a lot of money. It's not just telling people about stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It costs a hell of a lot of money. But anyway, I think maybe it's from like maybe the Super League period where uh, News Limited injected millions and millions of dollars and there was great marketing and it sort of worked for a little while there. And maybe it's also due to the fact that the Wolfpack have come in and just like nailed it and mm. just sort of marketed the pants off everyone else over the last couple of years. So maybe that's why the focus is in there. But that's what I've noticed over the, the last year or so in the rugby league communities. Armchair experts. We're all armchair experts about everything, but there's a real focus um, for each hemisphere. Mm. I'd say, like, do you think the the insight into the Northern Hemisphere armchair expert being obsessed with marketing mm. is that perhaps because the like league has become a niche sport there? Maybe it always was. Yeah, it's definitely less popular than it was previously in, yeah. in decades past. But do you think because the game is probably stuck between appealing to the the rusted ons that really mm. enjoy the the marketing the, the ads where it shows fights or yeah. like bifo to appealing to the perhaps the non-fans that they need to attract that, that where it would highlight I don't know, athleticism and like carnival atmospheres at games and things like yeah. that. I think it's there's a really tight-knit rugby league but small rugby league community in the UK like we've been told uh, from our friends in the UK. So I think it's a matter of everyone really is desperate, would love to see the game grow. and um, But unfortunately, there's, there are structural issues in the way but people think that you know, if you just market it better than yeah. everyone in London who doesn't like rugby league because it's a, a class, because of their class attitudes, is going to all of a sudden get on board. You know, it's sort of like it ignores that a little bit. I think from Australia's point of view, because rugby league is such a mainstream, entrenched sport, um, marketing is not as big an issue because it's already a big sport. Yeah. It, it mm. can't grow that well, It can grow, but it can't grow as much. And so, therefore, the focus on journalism is a bit like... Um, protecting your patches like I don't like what you've written like don't you know go away that's not uh, what what we represent so mm. yeah I think it's probably reflective of how each game is going in the respective markets yeah, sits in the country's sport ecosystem yeah. I guess there you go alright well listen what I can tell you about the off season and you know this is getting into Slug's personal life just a little bit is that the Slug's been very busy the Slug's been doing a couple of different jobs so I'm sad to say this. Slug has taken in very little rugby league news, knowledge, info at all. So I'm, I've been out of the boat. You know what, Slug? We got you covered. I thought you might. <laughs> I thought you might. So consider me an engaged student. I'm mm-hmm. sitting here. I want to know what's been happening in rugby league. Okay. So who, who can tell me? What do you got? Well, I think when it comes to... We're going to start you know, talking about... The NRL, firstly, we're going to talk about both the NRL and Super League throughout, and International Rugby League. It's going to be a great, a great show for all involved. It always is. Uh, but we have to start really when it comes to the NRL uh, with off-field behaviour. 
I think that's where we have to start. Later, we'll be talking about an issue where rugby league is way ahead of the game when we're talking about uh, the embrace of Indigenous cultures through the NRL All-Stars. But we really have to start uh, when we talk about an issue where rugby league is, is way behind. Um, and it, unfortunately, when it comes to domestic violence and, and sexual violence. And, and the off-season of sexual violence allegedly perpetrated by NRL players has been horrific to watch. And it's an off-season where the NRL has really, in rea- reality, lost a lot of ground because of it. Uh, and rugby league in Australia is lucky. It has a, a foundation of rusted-on fans um, so you won't expect, you know, memberships or crowds or TV audiences to, to go down too quickly too soon. But surely from what's happened, you can kiss goodbye the chance to attract new fans. Yeah, or the fringe fringies. Or the fringies, yeah. Particularly new female fans. So let's, to be empathetic, you need to use your imagination. So let's use our imagination and put ourselves in the shoes of a woman, uh, a woman who kind of likes sport, but has no history in rugby league. Her family has never been interested. Um, she has no history and it, doesn't know anything about it, anyone who plays. But maybe her boyfriend likes rugby league. So there's a potential fan, potential mm-hmm. new, new member of the rugby league family. But she also knows what's going on in the world and how women are standing up and calling out misuse of power by men and sexual harassment and, and abuse. So in that situation, you've got to put yourself in her shoes. What woman, what self-respecting woman would give consider rugby league and go, yeah, I'll give it a chance this year after what's happened. So that's what's happened this year in the off-season. The NRL, through the behaviour of its players, has lost its chance to attract brand new fans. So it's been disastrous from the point of view of, uh, you know, from morally, of course, but commercially as well. I mean, yes, you're, we've got a Luckily, we've got a great base of fans who are going to stick with the game because you know it's great and it's, it's actually a really progressive game. But commercially, uh, it's going to affect it for a couple of years, you'd think, because you think about sponsors, potential sponsors will think twice. Mm-hmm. Existing sponsors, they'll think twice and they'll have, they'll have actually greater negotiating power when they go to renew deals. They're like, you guys yeah. have stuffed up. Exactly. We want to pay less next time. So it's been unmitigated disaster. So that's the what. Yeah, you talk about marketing before, though. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, absolutely. But I mean, that's the what. So I mean, the question really, the interesting question, is the why. So, don't players get educated on this? Of course they do, and more than most, more than anyone probably. But I suppose education only goes so far. When I was at high school, I had a lot of maths lessons. I didn't get good at maths. I wasn't interested. Mm. Education goes so far. Um, so everyone knows that conceptually violence is wrong, but it's more about you know the fundal, fundamental attitudes towards women in our game. The real question we have to ask um, to all men in rugby league, that includes us, is do men in rugby league genuinely see women as equals? There's a lot of lip service around the topic when it comes to you know the women in league round or wearing pink for whatever reason. Uh, but how much of it is genuine? Okay, because when you don't see them as genuine equals, there's a cascade that goes all the way down from casually sexist language to the notion that men are somehow owed sex or deserving of sex because they're, I don't know, good at football or something, all the way to domestic and sexual violence. Now, obviously, obviously it doesn't always lead to violence, uh, but there's an undoubted link between violence against women and a fundamental lack of respect for women. So I think we have, as a game have to ask ourselves some really tough questions. 
I think what's happened. I I assume the NRL and the clubs are uh, are doing as much as they feel they can Mm. to educate players. Absolutely. And I, uh, but I, knowing football players like I do, Mm. without you know casting too wide a net or generalising, you know, they're they're still young guys. There's still a lot of immaturity there. Mm. So they're going to treat it like oh, this thing we have to do a lot of the time. I'm sure. Well, that's one of the things, right? So NRL players. They go pretty much from high school into a rugby league club. So you're in high school, you have immature concepts of A, masculinity, and and B, the opposite sex. Uh, And in a normal situation like us, you know, we went to, I don't know, we started, went to the workforce, or went to uni, or went to TAFE, um, and you are exposed to uh, real life, real world women, and your notions of the opposite sex and of masculinity sort of evolve. But... Rugby league players generally go from high school straight into an NRL club where not only are those immature notions not challenged, but they're sometimes reinforced. And, yeah. and majority male environment exactly. where a lot of the time, perhaps, and I'm, I'm theorising here, but a lot of the time the, um, the females that might encounter are fans. Like yeah, that's fan, right. Fan girls. That's what I mean. They're not necessarily meeting real life uh, women who have no interest in rugby league yeah. and will not judge you, be, judge you kindly because you made two line breaks and mm-hmm. ha- had a couple of tri assists. You know what I mean? So I think it, I agree. Like the NRL and clubs are doing as much as they can, but it's it's kind of more structural than that. And yeah, I agree. I think it's it's a lot to do with. Like, it's, it's well documented that I think the NRL spends more on player welfare and education than any other sport in, mm. in the country. It's, it's not about education. It's more about, um, like, I guess, buy-in and, and believing from uh, those in positions of leadership mm. to, to sort of demonstrate what appropriate behaviour is. And, like, I'm making assumptions here, but you'd think that if poor behaviour is noticed within the team, it's probably, oh, you know, it's like you help the boys out or whatever mm. or you sort of sweep it under the rug whereas you really now the game is at a point where um, you need those older players those senior leaders within the team and also within the administration of a club yeah. to if someone steps out of line especially with regard to how they treat women mm. they should get like yeah. um, admonished for it they should get chastised and they should really just like I hate to say it but it starts from the top yeah. um, and I think we're pro- the game has probably suffered previously from a history of that behaviour while everyone knows like it's not on like it's not on publicly mm. but like you know when it's just us ah uh, you know well don't mm. worry about it mate like yeah. and I think we've really got to get past that so their public their sort of private face has to start reflecting the public face yeah yeah absolutely and I mean obvious question is do is sexual and domestic violence more prevalent in rugby league than it is in society I don't think so rugby league more than any sport in Australia is reflective of society and I think people would be shocked would be absolutely shocked if they knew the toll that domestic and sexual violence uh, takes I did a bit of research on this and one woman uh, per week is killed by a partner or ex-partner in Australia and it's two in England obviously there's a a double the population there so it's a huge toll so I mean it's a societal problem yes but can rugby league do better yes how don't know it's really hard (laughs) I do think like one very minor suggestion you know something like women women in league round is, is a good and nice idea but really I th- it's kind of patronising to to women in, in a way like uh, you read the interviews that surround that sort of thing and, 
and it's always like, oh yeah, she's a great wife. She cooks for me every night, or you know, she's a great mum to like. She supports me all the way, all the way like reinforcing um, the inequality between mm. the genders, sort of thing. Like it's all about supporting him. Uh, Ooh, and where's than, that? No. This is like in, in like the women in league round. The sort of right. that's the kind of focus. It's all it's still all about the the guys. It wouldn't it be good to actually celebrate the women in league not because they support their husbands or cook them meals every night, but because of what they're good at. And maybe like you know, a player's wife, you know, got a bachelor degree or maybe they just ran a marathon or something like actually celebrating them for who they are mm. rather yeah, than for, for being done, the, rather than what they've done in relation to the player's career yeah so I think like it's those sort of things where that is kind of like a, a silent reinforcement of the inequality uh, between men and women in the game so not that that's going to solve the problem but it's just a, a little example of of the the broader uh, attitudes yeah. towards women in the game yeah, I think there's always, unfortunately, there's always a tinge of cynicism around those manufactured, mm. like, you know, not gimmicks, but like, you know, manufactured events yeah. to say, right, this is what that is. Yeah. And like, well, I think that generally speaking, there's also a similar kind of feeling around White Ribbon Day. Sure. You know, that, that kind of thing is just kind of, well, um, yes, great, but... Why, why is it why why all of a sudden are we just talking about it on this day kind yeah of I mean yes it's good to wear a ribbon or it's good to wear pink socks or it's good to celebrate women in the league round but you have to live it too yeah. you can't just pay lip service and yeah. I think that's I, I mean the NRL as, a, as an organisation you know I can't really well, the current administration I can't really fault them too much when it comes to how they've handled it okay there's been a couple of cases where you could uh, maybe some administrators in the past, you could you could suggest they were a bit late to the game, uh, but yeah, it's just a really hard issue. And just unfortunately, as I said at the top of this segment, it's costing costing the game. Mm. So that's that. I mean, that's some heavy stuff, right? Yeah, why, right, why we, right at the top. <laughs> why don't we go into something a bit more uh, a bit more positive? Let's talk Indigenous All Stars. That's All coming right. up. That's a very exciting. Uh, prospect, which is coming up any moment now. Big Al, are you excited? Yeah, sorry, you really just um, took 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 all my energy away with that. Um, can, um, anyway, <clears throat> yes, Indigenous Round's coming back, and I've been uh, waiting for this for such a long time because Indigenous Round is it's two things. One, it's a sweet, tasty morsel of things to come. It's mm. like the the amuse bouche or the appetizer before the sweet, juicy main course of the Telstra <laughs> Premiership. Give it to me. Um, but it's also, and probably more importantly. Uh, it's another, and we, we bang on about this all the time, but it is another spectacular example of the way the NRL is forward-thinking and deliberate in its actions in embracing Indigenous culture uh, in this country, which is something that Australia really struggles with. And, us, like, you know, if you compare the way the Maori culture is represented mm. and respected within New Zealand and compare it to the attitude as mainstream Australia has with its, with Indigenous Australia, it's, it's chalk and cheese. But this is one event where... Uh, players get to represent their indigenous heritage. They get to they get to play for like something that is their own. Mm. Um, and the fact that they've brought in the concept of the New Zealand Maori team as well is just mm. I don't know, yeah. it, it gives a bit of a bit of rivalry to it because you couldn't like when it was the all star the world all stars versus the indigenous all stars. Like n- no one cared about the the world all stars. Mm. No, Everyone's right. like and, yeah. and that's well, I guess that's what it's about. But this is now a genuine a genuine contest. Yes. Mm. Both teams want to win. 
and you'll, there'll be fans of both sides. Mm. Um, but outside of the game itself, it's just like it's a week long celebration, and it's just a time when the sporting landscape's pretty quiet, right? Like all the ten- in Australia, all that the tennis, like boring tennis stuff is done. Mm. Um, oh, that's right. I acknowledge the tennis this year as Good. well. I forgot about that. I watched <laughs> a little bit, and you know what? That's kind of interesting. Yeah. They get paid way too much though. Uh, moving on. Uh, so the tennis is over. The the, the twelve year old's birthday party that is the big bash is probably finished. I don't know, but must be everyone's lost interest by now anyway. For sure. Everyone's ready for some sweet rugby league action, and then to, for it to be served up in such a way, such like an amazing, celebratory, progressive, joyous way, blows me away, and I can't wait. It's going to be a great match, and the beautiful thing about it is. It reflects one of our core tenets of Progressive Rugby League that winning is secondary. It's really not about who wins. It's really a celebration of two uh, incredible, resilient cultures and celebrating the fact that Rugby League uh, has played a huge role in promoting those cultures. And especially, I'm talking, I suppose, from an Australian cultural point of view, Rugby League has taken the lead in making um, Indigenous culture, you know, acceptable to the mainstream. Because, I mean, there was a time, you know, not long ago where, you know, Indigenous people were sort of frowned upon and looked down upon. And I think Rugby League is playing such a leadership role. It's so exciting bringing uh, Indigenous culture into the mainstream. More people are respecting Indigenous culture. More people are learning about it. Uh, More people are understanding what um, Indigenous Australians went through over the last uh, 200 years, especially 100 to 200 years ago and, and beyond. Uh, so we won't go into that specifically, but I'll tell you what, if you read about it, it's just unending. Yeah. Uh, so, But I'm really proud as a rugby league fan that this is a, a legitimate fixture. And it's not just like a, a lip service fixture. Mm. I believe no, they it, do it's it. It's real. Like, and I think the, yeah, yeah. And the, the best part is the players actually care as well. Like, it's a big deal yeah. uh, to be able to represent uh, on the Indigenous All Stars team. And I yeah. think that's probably the best example is Latrell Mitchell yes. choosing to not go to the World Club Challenge yes. with the Roosters and instead play for the Indigenous yeah. All Stars. And yeah. that just says, like, it's really, really important. Um, it, it, it's meaningful and it's a it's a true chance for them to for yeah. indigenous players to get to represent yeah. their culture and heritage with it which they don't really ever get um, many chances to do so and there is a, a female women's game as well so yeah in the lead up so two fantastic games it's going to be it's going to be intense it's going to be immense <laughs> can't wait so that's very exciting I think next we should we should talk about the the coaching merry-go-round and the player movements over the off season, this is always interesting, and it's always uh, always stuff going on, especially at the start of the off season in NRL land. Oh man, it was action packed. Well, we had Seabold and Bennett. Yeah, the, the coaching Cleary. standoff. The oh, great, like, great what Mexican. did I say? There's, there's no off season in the NRL anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it rings true. Like some of those, like the, I love uh, rugby league. In, I, keep, I know I say it all the time, but I love I love the stuff that happens on the field. But the stuff that happens off the field when it gets yeah. super crazy like that is so exciting. Yes. This coaching drama like was one of the best I've seen in yeah. such a long time. Yeah, people are Bron- Broncos officials trying to crowbar yeah. Bennett out of our office up there. But there, like so yes, as you were saying, Johnny, there was uh, the Seabold Bennett drama. Mm. Uh, there was also the the Hasler uh, Barrett. Oh, that's Man, he still has two coaches. <laughs> like, what the hell? What's going on there? Barrett's just in the office in the corner. Yeah, like, 
like, like playing solitaire. Clear into the Panthers, Maguire to the Tigers. Yeah. It, it, it's it's spectacular. Oh, plus Flanagan getting the getting um, getting, getting the, the axe, and now John Morris in there. It's just I'll tell you what. It, it's it's amazing. It's it's beautiful stuff. This kind of links to it. to the player movements as well, because obviously uh, Flano's gone from the Sharks. In comes John Morris, one of the great jawlines in rugby league history, <laughs> and also second only maybe to Glenn Morrison. Yeah, oh, that's right. You can forget. It's a Morris thing. And then, <laughs> and then you've got, for the Sharks, in terms of player moves, you've got Sean Johnson coming from the Warriors. That was pretty... That was, in terms of player moves in the NRL, it's probably one of yeah, the bigger Yeah, that was ones. really unexpected. I think uh, it's odd that the Warriors... I understand why they did it, but they had no contingency, right? They're without mm. a halfback, basically, for next year. Mm. They've got Blake Green, who's a really good, solid 5'8", mm. but he's not... Like, you need... He's there to sort of support yeah. whoever is the star, I suppose. I think last year they had Mason Lino, who was yeah, uh, a decent gone, backup. He's gone to Newcastle. Has he gone? Yeah, has he? They, 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 so they lost their backup. Yeah. They let go of their star. And I understand why they did it because I guess they sort of called his bluff and didn't want to have to pay out the final year of his contract and all that sort of stuff. Because mm. he was told he, was, he could negotiate. Yeah. And yeah. He, we were told he basically wasn't going to be signed for the same amount of money. Yeah. So he left. But now I don't know. Like I love, you know, we all love the Warriors. But mm. I don't know what's going to happen with them next this, Jeff this season. <laughs> Where is he? What's he doing? <laughs> so all of a sudden you've got uh, John Morris, great jawline, and you've got Sean Johnson, very exciting, likable player. Good hair. Oh, great hair. And Excuse all of a sudden... Me. How about that halves combo for the hair? Chad Townsend and... <laughs> oh, yeah. Presidential yeah. and progressive hair. <laughs> but all of a sudden the Sharks, who we, we always kind of deride as being like a bit unprogressive and a bit like unlikable, they're kind of a bit more likable than they have been. If you've got mm. Sean Johnson and Matt Moylan, that, that's some chucking around football. On, yeah, that's on the true. Team. Yeah, and I, I find like Sean Johnson for me, I don't know him. Uh, I I feel like he's like comes across as a decent guy who doesn't get caught up in the hype. Like no. he kind of sees yeah. through it all, which he, which I respect. Yeah, he's also, uh, in my opinion, probably the best looking first grade, <laughs> regular first grader in the league. Yeah, I'd, I'd, he'd be right up there in the yeah. top five, I yeah. reckon. Yeah, no, totally agree. So, that, I mean, there's, that's one of the player movements. But who else? We had a few NRL players who have gone to the Super League. We've had Black Austin to Warrington, uh, Conrad Hurrell to uh, Leeds, um, Lachlan Coote to St. Helens. Who do you think is the best buyer? I those? actually didn't know about Lachlan Coote to St. Helens. So, yeah. that's, a, that's a shame. I think Lachlan, I mean, it's great for the Super League. It's a shame yeah. for NRL because he's a, like, I always rate him really highly as a player. I he's love, a really I love his, winner. Yeah, he yeah. was. Um, and uh, we can add to with uh, Conrad Harrell to Leeds. Tui Lolahia is also with yeah. Leeds as well. I would think like from a, a success perspective and a player success transition perspective, uh, Lachlan Coop for me is is the best player. He like like you say, he's like a gun for and, and, and we're still on the rise. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I think I, it was at his I'm, peak. I'm surprised that he couldn't find a deal in Australia, and mm. I'm surprised that I didn't know. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because I paid too much. I acknowledge all those other sports. Oh, damn it! <laughs> You'll think twice next year. Like summer. Um, but I actually think like while well, Lachlan Coot, I think will he'll smash it. Um, I'm still a massive fan of Austin to Warrington. I think yeah. I reckon because. I, I always rated him highly as a player and I think he was probably wasn't used correctly in mm. Australia or didn't ever quite get the right environment for him to yeah. really really shine um, and I reckon in the Super League he's um, he'll he'll kill it Man of Steel you, you hear it here first Whoa. And, Blake and Austin is Man of Steel 2019 wow and and halves combo with Gareth Witter in, in 2020. 2020 yeah absolutely that's another, that was another big story mm. and, and that's just enormous not only for Warrington but for Super League I mean that is a player one of the best players in the world 
one of the most sought after from all clubs in all competitions choosing Super League and I know like he's always wanted to to go back but like he's choosing Super League at his peak do you think um, do you think this is just a trend like the the basically within kind of the players Mm. kind of mindscape that this is meaning Super League's made it pretty much Um, I don't I I wouldn't go that far I mean I think I think what's happened is over the last five or ten years there's been an influx of English players uh, to Australia and I think there's there's a group especially the senior players who are looking back going gee the English game is struggling and, and could use could use a hand and they feel a bit bad and I, I think we'd have always sort of intended to go back to Super League but I wonder if you went a couple of years early because you're like you know what I'm ready to go but also I want to help out the game a philanthropic move that's right because he's never actually played Super League he came to Melbourne at an early yeah, age yeah, and is well, essentially like an import so I wonder if that's the beginning of a trend you know I wonder if we'll see like over the next couple of years one of the Burgess boys go back um, to the Super League I mean, they're talking about it a little bit as well so I think it's good for the game over there mm. uh, and you know it's great to have the best players in the NRL for our selfish purposes but you know we want to think yeah. of our friends in the Super League so yeah. the Super League will never reach the parity of the NRL until it gets it needs more money basically yeah. so that's or we need the Australian dollar to tank so that when Aussies go over there, it's really like your, your salary's tripled. Yeah. Because... Yeah, that's they, really... I mean, that's why, they, like, back in the, the 80s and 90s, people would defect to the Super League. Mm. Not, not not often, but it wasn't uncommon. Like, Brett Dallas. That's he spent right. most of his career in the, in, um, in the Super League because he was earning those sweet pounds yeah. when it was, like, 30 cents to the... Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So they're the, the buyers. And anyway, so we've also had uh, Ryan Hall come to the Roosters from Leeds. So that's a, an English import in the back. Quite so. old. Quite old, yeah, that's right. O- overtaking, well, replacing Blake Ferguson on the wing there. So, you know, kind of a like-for-like, like, a big, chunky winger who's mm. going to make some hard yards early in the mm. early in the set. So I look Bounce forward to seeing... Bounce the ball off his chest a fair bit, really. <laughs> that's right. I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes. But unfortunately for him, he's had, like, a big injury at the end of last season, so it might take a while for him to mm. get going, so... Hopefully, Roosters fans uh, are patient with him. Uh, other news from the NRL off-season, Big Al. Tell me a bit about this. I'm not totally familiar. Expansion, NRL taking games to Fiji, PNG, Tonga, Samoa. This is pretty exciting. Well, this was, I'm pretty sure this was announced by the PM himself. Is that right? Wasn't it funding to, to take uh, pre-season games to Fiji, um, which, wow. of course, was met with lots of opposition from everywhere, including uh, pro rugby league supporters. Huh. Is that um, right? I think so. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's what the plan is. So, um, And what do we think? I'm, take the game anywhere. <laughs> People right. will love it. <laughs> take it. Take it to Poland. Let's go to Fiji. Oh, we'll, we'll have it for some tennis, actually, I think. <laughs> it's summer. <laughs> Well, I mean, the good news is it looks like Fiji is going to be in the New South Wales Cup over the next year or two. We've already got PNG in the really? Queensland Cup. So, yeah, okay. that's good news for the Pacific nations because, yeah, sure. as we know, they are intense growth opportunities mm-hmm. uh, for rugby league. Uh, elsewhere, this was a little crazy little story. I'm not sure we have to deal too much with it, but the Roosters had a billboard uh, around Atlanta. the Super Bowl talking about being world champions. Uh, of course, we've got the World Club Challenge coming up this weekend. And, you know, we, some Wigan supporters are like, hey, the game hasn't even been played yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I think it was just like a bit a bit cheeky. Hey, hey NFL fans, um, 
they're not really world champions. Look, if you call yourselves world champions, then we're world champions too. I think that was the point. Yeah, it was a good, a cheap way to get picked up uh, on like America and, and, and global media. Mm. With like, did it? Do we know? If I it don't. Did? I don't actually know, but I mean, you know. I think mm. in the paper they said it cost twenty grand or something like that. <laughs> oh, right, so okay. like, like whatever, that's yeah, exactly. when marketing's expensive, right? That's that's pretty cheap marketing for yeah, people. So they, they got out well. of it. So yeah, it's a bit, bit of tongue in cheek stuff. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of it. They got what like they it. wanted. We're talking about it on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Now, should we therefore, while we're on the topic, talk about the World Club Challenge this weekend? It's pretty exciting, a progressive concept. We we always you know talk it up every year. Uh, this is the first now, year we've talked about it, but wasn't the the seed that that grew into the oak tree sorry the acorn that grew into the oak tree that is the this podcast we do right now wasn't that planted whilst we watched last year's world yeah, club challenge absolutely yeah. yeah leeds versus melbourne in melbourne in melbourne but hasn't um hasn't it been much much better this year i mean last year it wasn't going to happen and leeds sort of saved it by saying all right melbourne we'll come to you and melbourne like fine (laughs) this year roosters have been involved we'll we'll get to what the roosters have done during the week a bit later but they're really engaged in it Uh, they've been travelling around Europe and they're really going to take it seriously so it sounds like it's does does, does that make them worthy premiers bigger yeah well oh well well, let's move on but like like, that's a that's a like a double edged sword right like it's great that the roosters are taking it seriously but it also means there's a high chance they'll probably win, which is bad because <laughs> the Roosters winning, I guarantee you, nobody, nobody in Australia is going to even like bat an eyelid. Like, oh, the Roosters won some game I don't really care about. Whereas, oh, but to be fair, no one in Australia really bats an eyelid. With respect, no one bats an eyelid, whoever's playing. Or whoever. No, I'm not saying this is a Roosters problem. Yeah, yeah. If the Australian team wins, yes. it's bad is what I'm saying. Sure, yeah. And it always is. But that's why I think that's why they play um, the game, you know, after a few rounds of Super League, but the Roosters haven't even had a trial game. Wiggins had a couple of Super League games, a couple of trial games of yeah, playing rugby league. Are they not having for a, a while? Are they not having a game in Toulouse? No, that was a that was a training session, which oh, we'll right. get to shortly, which is just so romantic. But <laughs> well, Trent Robinson does have his French connections. Exactly. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, like it's it's great that that Trent Robinson is making the team take it seriously, and mm. they're and they're, they're training for it. But yeah, the the offshoot of that is they'll probably win, which I think is bad because it doesn't do anything for the game. Whereas well, Wigan winning will do something for the game. Yeah. Well, we actually had a tweet uh, today when we said we were doing this this podcast from I think the Super League podcast, or, uh, who is a great podcast of their own. They asked us who we think who we want to win, and I said, well. It goes without saying, as progressive rugby league fans, <laughs> winning is secondary, and we just want to see the ball thrown around and a bit of creativity. But you entertain us. But you, you're sort of, and I'm, I'm kind of with you. Maybe we just do want Wigan well, to you win. Think about. I'm all about what's best for the game. Yeah. And somebody has to win, right? So. I suppose. Uh, okay. Well, actually, what, what would a draw do? I'm sure we'll go to extra time. Okay. So somebody, there has to be a result. Somebody has to win. Yeah. We, Wigan win. is definitely because it, it will create headlines here. The Roosters lost to Wigan, and it will create headlines there. Like yeah. Wigan are the, are the reigning world champions after the NRL put up that billboard in Atlanta. Yeah. Like, come yeah, on, that's true. Let's go. Absolutely. Twenty thousand dollars for, <laughs> yeah. for should've, nothing. Should have gone to grassroots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, ignore the tweet that we put out earlier that where we said. Wait, no. Well, winning winning, is, winning is always secondary. Yeah. But, but we have. But to, we want Wigan. Well, there has to be a winner. It's got to be Wigan. Now we're going to talk a bit more about the off season in the UK, but since the UK season is sort of underway, we won't talk much about that. But and we'll get to the results over the first couple of weeks shortly. But we had to talk about the Challenge Cup drama that came in the off season. This is like uh, two parts, you know, incredulous 
and two parts hilarious. You know, like I didn't know where to go with this one. Where <laughs> just quickly, where um, the defending champions, our beloved Catalan Dragons, were, were being asked to fork out five hundred thousand euros just to to play just to in the Challenge Cup. And I love this one because when you took, when you extended the logic out, it just became more and more ridiculous. So, you know, they said, okay, the logic was that Catalan last year they won the Challenge Cup but there was only 50,000 people so they need a bond sort of to cover you know the lack of fans that they bring to the game but no one else was being asked to pay a bond and the year before there was like 65,000 people and it was Wigan versus Hull so should Wigan and Hull be asked to pay I don't know 250,000 euros so like as you extended the logic it became more and more ridiculous but I, I felt like you had to be a bit sympathetic for the RFL who are clearly devoid of money yeah. no money and I feel like this was kind of like a desperate dad in a Hollywood movie where they just like you know maybe they're divorced and their kids are, are out and they had to pay alimony and it's all it's like going um, against them Gil from the Simpsons right? yeah, that's oh, right. come on old Gil he's gonna do it <laughs> yeah. that was so close and so like all this stuff's piling up on them and they just decide to rob a bank you know because like <laughs> you know logically that makes sense. It's like, I need money. A quick way to make money is to rob a bank. But, like, it's not logical. There, mm. there is logic, but it's not logical. And I feel like this was, like... Catalan's not a bank. <laughs> yeah, that's just right. Just makes that very clear. So I feel like they were just like, yeah. what are we going to do? Let's just... We'll just ask him for another one. <laughs> it was kind of desperate. So it's funny. It, it must be... I, I don't, I'm not aware of the, the ins and outs and the details of why the... I mean, the bond was asked to pay the difference between gate takings that they wouldn't achieve Something if like they that. were in the finals, right? Yeah. But that's all driven by some sort of onerous contract that the RFL has signed to host a Challenge Cup final at, at Wembley, Wembley. At, with a, some sort of crowd guarantee, I think, attached yeah. to that as well, which is why this whole thing... Is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, so it just sounds to me like the RFL, like, bless them, don't know what they're doing at all. <laughs> like, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to get all anti-RFL or yeah. a bit nego, but... Well, there's, been a sp- there's now a split between the RFL and Super League. Super League clubs sort of taken a bit more control of the Super mm. League competition. And, and but, people say it's because they didn't know what yeah. they were doing. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, Catalans are back in the Challenge Cup. And that's... that's Did they have to pay any kind of bond? Not sure. It's unclear. Mm. I mean, Toronto... Unfortunately, Toronto um, are not in the Challenge Cup because of this sort of thing. So, yeah. obviously, they didn't come to an agreement with Toronto. So, maybe Catalans agreed to pay something, but... Yeah, it's unclear at this stage. Wow. Progressive Rugby League. All right, then. Well, we're back, and this is a a, 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 a normal episode, a kind of, you know, a catch-up with what's been going on. And if I'm to be informed about what's going on and the listeners are to be informed about what's going on, we're going to need the most informative segment of the podcast. Shall, shall we? Go on. <clears throat> Slug began and me, we like what we see when it comes to French-Canadian Run. and international rugby that is. <laughs> oh, sorry. Are we doing it again? No, yeah. we'll just... oh. no, we'll keep that in there. I apologise. See, Rusty, <laughs> off-season. No, my name's Al. <laughs> What do you got? Well, I mean, it's been intense, hasn't it? I mean, I want to start off with uh, a really good news story, and it was, revolves around the Red Star, Red Star Belgrade, joined the Challenge Cup. This is very exciting. They were in the first round of the Challenge Cup. They played against Millam in Millam 
and it was broadcast on BBC Online, and I saw a bit of the game, and it was just a... Did you really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was broadcast. You should have told me. I was watching it here. <laughs> it was oh. BBC Online, so I was watching it on my iPhone on the toilet, so it wasn't well, like... Exactly. <laughs> I'll watch it any place, any time. <laughs> I'm there. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a feel-good story, and it was a beautiful day. Beautiful ground there in Milan, uh, may I say. And, you know, some funny things happened, like um, a Red Star Belgrade kickoff went backwards after getting caught in the wind. You know, those sort mm. of little things. It's like, ha, 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 welcome to rugby league. But that's uh, a, a good news story. And also good for Serbian rugby league because this Belgrade team had been uh, kicking goals and, you know, slaying all comers in, in sort of Serbian and Balkan rugby league. I think they won a semi-final last year by 90 points. So it's good to actually get a bit of a reality check. They lost the game, I think, 38-12 to know where they're at and what they need to do. Um, and it's just the beginning for them. In the Serbian Rugby League, as anyone who listens to Professor Tony Collins's podcast will know that Serbian Rugby League was uh, basically banned and, once again, Rugby Union played a heavy mm. role. So it's mm. great that it's back and it's great that it's uh, moving forward. No, and what I like most about it is they're obviously ambitious. Yes. Like, they, they you know, applied for admission to the Challenge Cup, which on yeah. the surface sounds completely ridiculous because it's a, like a, an amateur rugby league knockout competition in the north of England, mm. and they want to come all the way over from Serbia yeah. to potentially play one game, which they did, but still, good on them. Love it. Yeah, and into the interview with one of the owners or one of the lead management of the club, they were like, I'm glad we got hammered. I'm glad. So now we know where we're at and, you know, we can move forward from there. So that's that, that was a good news so story. So it's a kind of measuring implement, that game. Yeah, exactly. So they can get a gauge of where they're at, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I really love? Like, one of the things I love about the Challenge Cup is yeah. you get to really look at the vast number of teams that are yeah. part of it and explore there. some of the names. <laughs> like, I've, I've printed out the results uh, from just from January, not from February, from the BBC website. Yeah. Um, and there's just great names in here, like the Clockface Miners. That's brilliant. <laughs> Underbank right. Rangers. The Thato uh, Heath Crusaders. Yeah, it's distinct and ARL. Yeah. Love it. Anyway. So, I mean, let, let's now talk about uh, our sweet babies. We're going to talk Wolfpack and Toulouse <laughs> Olympique. Sweet, sweet babies for PRL. So, Toronto Wolfpack have had an interesting off-season. They've started the, the championship season well, like we'd expect, but... They had a few dramas in December. They, I think they missed a payment. They didn't pay their players in late December. And everyone's like, oh, oh what is going on? Don't mm-hmm. tell me this is another, another, sugar, <laughs> another sugar daddy story going wrong. But then as soon as that happened, of course, in marketing genius style, they announced a $10 million investment injection uh, where they're going to bring out some uh, you know, products in the Wolfpack line. I think there's an alcoholic drink and some sort of supplement. So... It seems like they're back on track, which and is what, a relief. And what, the players will get a cut of that to, <laughs> sure. in they lieu got, of a paycheck? They'll get commission. <laughs> they, they got paid a couple of weeks after they should have, so they eventually got paid. So, you know, it's all looking okay. So the question is, for the Wolfpack, how will they go this year? I mean, we know last year they were pretty unlucky in reality not to have made um, Super League. Mm. They, you know, killed all before them throughout the championship season, won by seven or eight points and then um, won most of their, I think, six out of, or five out of seven of their Super 8s games and still uh, didn't make it to Super League. Mm. So you consider them unlucky. Mm. And, of course, London had a, a brilliant performance. But this year, it's it's kind of like kind of waiting for the end of the season. There's no doubt in the world they'll be there. It's kind of... The challenge for them is not to look too far ahead too soon mm. and just to, to make sure they just do things week by week 
so they're ready when it comes to that big game because it's going to be another I million reckon, pound game. I reckon the bigger, the biggest challenge. No, is there a million pound game? I thought it was automatic promotion and relegation. No, no, no. It's going to be a top five system in both the Super League and the Championship, and yeah. it's going to be like a final system. So once again, it's going to come down to. I thought, uh, I thought they'd scrapped all game. that. It was purely if you finish last, you're down. If you finish top in the Championship, you go up. Yeah, if you finish last, you're down in Super League, but the Championship is going to have a top five system. Yeah. And the winner of the grand final is going to be the million pound game. Goes through the and Super League. So they, they play the, the bottom team from the Super League? No. They play the grand final. It's a grand final of yep. the championship of the and top the winner. Five. Yep. Wow, I didn't know that. And that's called the million pound game? Yes, that's right. right. Yeah. Well, at least they're keeping the name million pound game, which right. I always like. Yeah, it's, I do. It's, it's, it's only going to get, like, in, in, with the deflationary currency, it's only going to get less and less valuable as a name. Yeah, that's but right. Still, you, you I, like, know, I like it's got a bit of zazz. You know what it makes me think of? If you ever watch <clears> wrestling. Yeah, they would ha- sometimes have a money in the bank match where they had a briefcase full of money hanging down over the ring <laughs> and the first person who was able to climb up a ladder and get that briefcase was the winner that's, yeah. that's, I'm kind of just picturing a big briefcase kind of on a uh-huh. rope over yeah. the field <laughs> that's my problem I'll deal with it yeah. well if that's the case then previous attitude was the Wolfpack they'll waltz it in it's not, a real, it's not an issue I thought like this, this would be the season where they wouldn't, they'd have no worries at all because they're, they're going to finish first by a mile like they did last year and mm. I just assume they get chucked back up I didn't know it was a shame on me again that's this okay. summer off season I've really let the, let the team down never oh, again dear. will you consider cricket and tennis in an off season no never never never, <laughs> never. Um, so well, I guess in that case yeah the challenge would be once it's once we're in that final system not mm. to not to the thing is for mess it up like they did before. Yeah, the thing is for Toronto, there's absolutely no chance of them not making the final. So mm. it's like, how do you just kind of keep your standards high and not yeah. and not um, lower your standards to the, some yeah, of the lower championship teams? Every, every game is the same. Yeah, They're like you have to. It's like a real Melbourne attitude, I suppose. But just and it's a bloody long season. So, yeah. uh, but as usual, I'm looking forward to seeing the Wolfpack play because last year we were a bit critical of their style of play. We thought that well, that good. was the, the Rowley, Bash and Barge <laughs> That's right. strategy. So I'm hoping to see a bit more creativity this year. Of course, they'll have a physical advantage over most teams, but I want to see them, because uh, when it comes to the big games, you're going to need some, some nous. Some, you need to be quick between the ears. You're going to need to break <laughs> open the opposition defence because those end-of-season games, like we saw in the million-pound game, they're tight, they're ugly, and, you know, it's a one-off and anything mm. can happen. So... That's going to be the story of the year. And, and it's not going to be as straightforward as, as we think. I mean, Witness have started the year very well. And they obviously were demoted last year. So they're gunning uh, for promotion again. Bradford's back in the championship. York's been um, promoted. Toulouse Olympic, of course, who we love, uh, who should be competitive again. So that's the Wolfpack. Now let's talk about Toulouse Olympic. I tell you what, they haven't had a great start to... Uh, the championship season but what's happened in the last week was just a beautiful moment they hosted the world club challenge competitors the Sydney Roosters to a wonderful training exhibition I mean I don't know if you saw any footage of this but this brought tears to my eyes I mean seeing uh, you know Cooper Cronk you know embracing the flat, the players from Toulouse Olympic this is a real um, progressive moment of the off season for me here, like we were saying before, Melbourne last year did not even want to play the World Club Challenge. This year, the Roosters said, you know what, we're not just going to play it. We're going to go to France and give a bit back to the French game, mm. in, in particular Toulouse Olympique, because we know Trent Robinson, former Toulouse Olympique player, 
and also coached the Catalan Dragons to their first Challenge Cup final appearance. Yeah. What, so. I, what I like most about this is it's acknowledgement from the from the NRL that there's stuff happening in other places of the world. So yes. Like, it's very easy for, for the everyday fan to think, yep, yeah, there's the NRL, oh, yeah, and there's a the Super League, but no one really pays much attention mm. to that. But if you weren't, like, it's easy for us in the progressive rugby league fishbowl that we live in you think everybody is just obsessed with the second division of the English Super League English Rugby League and focused on on, on Toulouse doing well yeah. but most people have not here have no idea that Toulouse even has a team yeah. um, and that they're a you know, semi-professional team with a chance of becoming full-time professional mm. if, if the cards fall correctly for them and I think it was really cool just to have that idea that hey there's um, there's French Rugby League teams mm. um, and they're important and I can't wait to see the style of play Toulouse bring back to the championship so last year we know they played like a happy brand happy, of rugby league as you brand, yeah. as you noted and I'm hoping to see a bit more of that um, and you expect them to, to make the top five but like I said there's a few decent teams around there I forgot to mention Featherston and, and Halifax who made the Super 8s last year so you know what good on them and I, I can't wait and look you know what I might even watch a game in person in Toulouse later in the year let's let's see how that goes are you going to join me big house? I'll be there like I said <laughs> anytime anywhere announcement coming later uh, so that's Toulouse I think we should also talk the Rugby League World Cup 2021 that was a big announcement over the last few weeks they've announced the venues uh, they've announced uh, also the host cities uh, for not only the Men's Rugby League World Cup there's also going to be concurrent women's rugby league world cup and wheelchair rugby league world cup yep. isn't that once again rugby league. Say, like cop that naysay it's like come <laughs> on have a look have a look at what we're doing yeah so that's brilliant and they did that really well like they unveiled the host cities they had a it's over a period of a year or more where they've uh, encouraged pe- cities and towns around the north of england to enter and to, and bid, pro- yeah. to bid to to be a host city and and uh, the way they announced it was really professional. They did it on the BBC website. You know what? It's it's rare that anything happens in rugby league in Australia or in England where everybody agrees. Mm. But as this thing was unfolding, across, I was following it across Twitter, everybody was complimentary to it. Everyone was saying, this, like, this is great. On yeah. Twitter? On Twitter, of all <laughs> places. Oh, Twitter, the, the, the horrible negative black hole <laughs> that is Twitter. About everyone was just saying that this is the slickest thing I've seen um, rugby league rugby league do in a while. Like the way um, the the cities were unveiled, the whole process yep. in organising um, who was going to host where. Mm. Everybody loved it, and for that to happen means it's something special. Yeah, that's right. So I think the final is going to be in Old Trafford, but they're also going to play at you know some really impressive grounds like Anfield, Liverpool's home ground, uh, the Emirates Stadium, which is Arsenal's uh, home ground. So. You know, good news. Can't wait to get there. Oh, you're going. Hell yeah. Oh, you're lucky. Please, I'll be there. (laughs) Well done, Big Al. Now, the last part of this segment, we're going to talk about New York. New York, the New York bid uh, to get into League One or, you know, to the RFL system. Still waiting. No news. I think uh, they've been waiting for a response from the RFL for about, oh, I don't know, 13 years. And uh, there's been... (laughs) But no response. To, need to check their junk email. For yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that'll be. Wouldn't that be nice if you had a New York City franchise in League One? Uh, hopefully, get promoted, and one day you have, you'd have the the North American local derby about against a team yeah, like that Toronto. Would, that would be sweet. Sweet. So we'll see what happens there. So, I mean, like I said earlier, the Super League and Championship season uh, has in fact started, and we're two weeks in, mm. and it's 
it's pretty. It's been a pretty exciting start to the year. What's been going on, Big? So yeah, two weeks into the Super League, and as we follow the sweet babies of the PRL, um, it's been a mixed bag. So I'd like to introduce the, the, the traditional sweet babies, uh, the Wolfpack yep. and Toulouse Olympique. But I'd like to introduce a third baby of, that I have called close to my heart in the London Broncos. Of course, yeah. So if we'll permit that, if the court will permit. Uh, we're at we're basically win uh, win loss for both Catalan and London in the Super League. So yeah. been a, been a, a decent start. I suppose yeah. better than I mean yeah, they're both notched up a win. So they're both sitting uh, fifth and sixth right in the middle there. Especially for London, who everyone is saying they're going to go down without a shadow of a doubt. So yeah. they showed in round one with a really solid win against Wakefield that that they're going to be hard to beat at home. It's, it's actually a pretty big trip for for teams who are used to just going down the road. Yeah, mm. and, they're, and they're missing uh, good hair Jared Sammet, so that's oh, right. He's playing seven for them now. Anyway, we can move on from that. Um, but I, I, one thing I wanted to point out is I, I, I'm kind of worried about the London Broncos and mm. what their strategy for this year actually is. Mm. I think the the best strategy for any team in any league of anything that's just been promoted is to just avoid relegation. Yeah. So, like, all they should... Like, I hate to say it, but they should probably be playing really boring defensive oh. football and, and oh. not really... Not playing for the not playing for the win, I guess. Playing for the not... Avoiding a loss is probably what they should be trying to do. It's a really good um, point, though. Which I hate. Oh, I sound yeah. so dirty having to like saying that, but I care deeply about them staying up there. That is a good point, because, you know, they, you, you fight so hard to achieve a goal, mm. i.e. get in, yeah. and then you kind of go, oh, we made it. Yeah. Oh, what are we doing now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they'll, they'll, like I said, surprise some people. I saw some of the tries they've scored, especially in that first round match. They played some sparkling rugby league. And Danny Ward has proved himself to be a pretty amazing coach working with uh, less resources than most clubs, uh, not only in Super League, but a few clubs in Championship too. So from what I've seen, they're incredibly fit, incredibly well drilled, and have a spunk about them. Have a spunk and a spark. So I reckon, uh, look, a London Super League game is also... Something I plan to get to later this year. What about you, Big? Oh, Are you in? I'll be there. Oh, announcement <laughs> coming later in the year. Let's Very excited. So I can't wait to see how yeah. London go as well. And then uh, looking down into the championship, uh, Toronto, two wins, uh, Toulouse, two losses, unfortunately. Mm. So that season sitting pretty much on opposite sides of the ladder. So that's uh, a bit surprising, disappointing for Toulouse. They've lost to Lee Centurion. So once again, a, a, a strong team from the championship who were strong last year and just missed out in the Super 8s. And they lost to Witness at home. So once again, witness, like I said before, they're going to be tough. And there's actually a pretty tough game this weekend, I think, is Toronto and witness. So, look, I think um, Toulouse will come back and I think they'll eventually make the top five. But they've got to, they've got to pick up. Luckily, luckily for Toulouse, this season goes forever. <laughs> it's still about 27 games yeah. to go. So I was, I was quite worried that last year... Broke, may have broken to lose because they were so good throughout the whole year, that yeah. incredibly long year, and then got to the Super 8s, and they weren't terrible, but they they um, no, they weren't they, didn't make they, it. they weren't yeah. amazing. They didn't make it, but I, and maybe it's just because last year was. Uh, a, a very heavily focused Toulouse year for me. More, mm. The more focused on Toulouse I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> um, but I feel that I worry that, that that yeah that's really taking the wind out of their sails. Yeah, I mean, let's wait and see. I mean, probably yeah, too right. early. It's, it's two games into a, a, a twenty-seven game season, yeah, that's right? right? So yeah, come on, Toulouse. And they've played two two of the stronger teams, Lee and Witness. So mm-hmm. there's going to be plenty of gimme games you'd, you'd expect for Toulouse throughout the season. So I yeah. think um, hopefully that starts this weekend for them. And uh, well, unless we have any more sweet babies, happy days. I think that's it. 
look, oh, you know, I, I, we could adopt some more, I guess, as the season goes on. What happened to the Jews? Well, yeah, the Jews news that you can use. Uh, I felt um, I'll, I'll bring him in next week. Yeah, that's all right. I'd like to hear something about the Butley Bulldogs next <laughs> next week too, if possible. It's always exciting. All right. Well, you know, this has been a, a bumper episode. There's been a lot to catch up on, but what I really want to know is what's your PRL moment of the off-season been? I'll tell you what, I'm going to go first, Big Al, and my moment was Townsville's been uh, beset with flooding, record flooding over the last um, few weeks, and it's been a tragedy. But one slight glimmer of uh, happiness came in the form of rescuing from some North Queensland Cowboys players who used their own boats to save the lives of people they were going around and, and helping people... Their own boats? Yeah, that's right. right. Uh, helping people... Uh, get out of really dire situations so I thought oh, that's a really good story they were uh, they weren't looking for you know Perhaps. cameras or anything yeah, like right. that they were just doing it and it came it came up on, on the, the media and I say kudos to them is that really... in your welcome basket when you sign on with the Cowboys just a boat here you go <laughs> yeah let's check the sponsorship <laughs> that was a D from what I saw alright what about you, Big? Uh, well, mine's pretty predictable. I've already spoken about it, but it is the week that is the in the lead up to the Indigenous All Stars event. Yep. That's that's got to be it for me. Um, everything the game does, the way the community embraces it, um, the coming together of like the the, the, the traditional dances, and this having all the players, I guess, get to eat, sleep, and breathe uh, Indigenous culture. I'm all for it. I love it. A bit more of that. Can't get enough. Mm. Well, there you go. All right. Well, I feel informed now, fellas. Thank you very much. You're up to date? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yep. Do we depress you and excite you in equal measure? Well, I was going to say, we just kind of turn to the English side of things, uh, Northern Hemisphere side of things more than the Southern at the moment, then that's all good. <laughs> um, so, next week, we will be doing our final instalment of our off-season PRL book club. Mm, true professional, James Oddie. Cannot wait. And then after that, uh, as we get towards the NRL season, we'll be back into the regular weekly episodes. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, thanks a lot also for interacting on Twitter. There's, uh, there's a lot of action going on on Twitter um, and some good conversations going on there. So interact in, in a positive way like Big Al saw too. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, it was a rare event. Bye all. See ya. See you all in Rugby League We Trust.